Hey guys, what's up? It's Lizzie Jane. We are back this week with a very special guest. Kumarion is joining me on the podcast this week to talk about all things drum and bass. Him and a handful of other phenomenal producers. If you know about drum and bass, you know it's one of the hardest genres to master the craft of. It's a forever learning journey, but him and a handful of others are pushing forward drum and bass culture in the States, and it's amazing to see. I saw him play at Red Rocks July 4th weekend two weeks ago with Zed's Dead and the Dead Beats crew. It was a whole night of drum and bass at Red Rocks. It was a whole night of drum and bass at the Brownies and Lemonade party in LA, and it was just a really step back, full circle moment to see how far drum and bass has actually come with the movement in the United States. And I'm so excited for the future of it. Camarion is someone who I have really followed since his hit single, Want It on Jadu Dalla, really put him on the map. But he has been at this for quite some time. And it's incredible to see his fan base grow, his tour history grow. And I'm so excited for the future of the Camarion project. Don't forget to new don't forget to stream my new single Chemical Love with Adam Jazim and Mercedes Arnhorn. We appreciate all of the love on it so far and I'm so glad you guys are fucking with it. Please make sure to keep on streaming those the numbers up as well as we have the remix EP for Take Control dropping super soon, so make sure to keep an eye out for the pre-save link for that. I have some spots open in my Patreon. This podcast will be ad-free in my Patreon. If you're looking for one-on-one lessons, consultation, sample packs, vocal packs, anything you can think of, hop over in the description to my Patreon. Check it out. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a DM. Would absolutely love to chat. And as always, if you fuck with what we're doing at the Lizzie Jane Podcast, remember to share it. Tag your friends. Tag me. Tag the guest. And I would love to get to know you. Without further ado, this is Lizzie Jane, and you're tuning into my episode with Kumarion. Hope you guys have a lovely week, and I will see you next time. The show today was brought to you by Vitaplur E-Boost Gum. With no pill to take or powders to mix, Vitaplur E-Boost Gum is a first-of-its-kind energy rave supplement that provides magnesium, electrolytes, and antioxidants while you chew. Vitaplur is the perfect complement to my active lifestyle, whether it's at the festival, on the road touring, or hitting the gym. Chew Vitaplur and dance with confidence. Use code LizzieJane for 10% off any order. I really appreciate you coming on today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, you just moved to Denver, relocation. Yeah, and like, I want to say end of February. End of February. So. Okay, so you, you've been here like a month more than I've been here. And it's kind of crazy to come here and realize how many artists actually live here. Yeah, that blew my mind, actually. I didn't realize how many artists were here. Me either, at all. And, and you kind of turn around. And I went to, I think I went to the G. Jones show at Mission Ballroom. And I turned around and there was like G-Rex and Space Wizard yeah, and yeah, Red yeah. Drum and the Smokeland Boys and Taboo just moved here yeah. and Versus here and Closey's here and Grizz is here. And it's like... And there's more people moving here. Too. And there's more people moving here. Yeah. It's a very, I would say, like a very desired location for not only EDM, but you just like look around. We're in this like crazy yeah. art gallery. You have the Rhino area that's all graffiti, all uh-huh. like creative outlets and yeah. it's just like it's super fucking cool and for you yourself for like all those listening if you don't know who this genius is he goes by uh the name Camarion, pushing drum and bass wavelengths through you know the u.s totally the forefront of your focus um for what the yeah. project has become i would really love to to know i know you've been making music for quite some time you had the single "Want It" on right. Jadu Dalla um, mm-hmm. that really put your project just smack dab on the map in front of everybody. Um, yeah. Was was drum and bass the main long term goal for Marion? So the story about that song is actually really funny because people think I just switched up right after that. But mm-hmm. "Want It" was actually the the one off that I did that happened to blow up um, because. 
I mean, I grew up listening to like Jungle and then discovered Noisy in like 2012, uh, 2013. And I was a good discovery. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I watched that Shell Shock music video and I was like, wait a minute, this is what I want to do. Um, yeah. And I've been, I've been like trying to pursue it ever since. I mean, what actually inspired Want It was, I think I was at Base Canyon in 2019 and I watched like the Wakan takeover and I was like, I want to write a tune that would fit like that kind of vibe um and i actually sat on it for like months that that song because I, I mean bass canyon happened in august and then i wrote the song as soon as i got home and i actually hated hated it i didn't like no it way. at all yeah i didn't like it at all and i kept fixing it i remember uh giving it to one of my friends who's like dj djing at a local club up in seattle and um me and my friend go over there. I gave him the tune and I asked him if he could play it out. And then he played it out on this, the sound system. I was like, okay, this is shit. I just ran home, tried to like fix it. I still don't like the mix on it till this day. Oh, I wrote it. <laughs> the, the monitors that I use uh, to write that song would, they didn't go under like 50, like 50 hertz. So I couldn't even hear the sub or anything. Um, but then my roommate at the time, he was like, just just release it who cares because like i had this problem for like i've been producing for since like 2012 2013 or so yeah and i wasn't releasing any music at that point i had one tune out uh 1984 on play me okay um that's braid speeds yep right yeah, yeah. she's great yeah uh i only had one tune out and my my roommate was like just just release it man just just find a label and send it to them. And I sent it to Jody Dalla. I think a month later, they finally responded in February. And they were like, yeah, let's, let's release this. And then, I don't know, that definitely gave me, that song gave me a career. Yeah, yeah, it definitely it gave you yeah. that leeway yeah. to completely propel yourself. I mean, it was like track list 1001, like all over that fucking oh, shit. Oh, yeah. That's and yeah. It was like when everything shut down, actually. Mm -hmm. I, rem <laughs> I remember Okeechobee of 2020 was the last festival that happened mm -hmm. before everything got shut down. Yeah. And did you play that festival or was no, it? No, it was Rekno that dropped That's it. That's who it was. And the video It was blew like, the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so crazy. Yeah, no, that, that was really weird. And then I was like finally like getting hyped. I was like, oh, it's happening. It's happening. And then everything just shut down and I didn't know. I honestly got lucky. I, I'm glad I wasn't like touring or anything. Cause a lot of artists that were at the time, like just got shafted. Yes. Uh, so hard. It, it really showed yeah. you that you can't depend solely on touring money because no. you just never know what's going to happen. And, yeah. and exactly like, I'm sure you had colleagues just like I did Ooh. where their career was starting to come to fruition. And it was like, almost right fucking there they were getting the support uh -huh. slots they were getting the signings to the agencies and then it was like never mind yep yep i've heard so many stories like that it sucks crazy yeah. stories where they've lost all of their income because we've never had yep. something like this i wasn't depending on it yeah yep yeah exactly yeah. and and you know i think it also provided a unique space for people like yourself where you've always been like a producer's producer where, yeah. you know, like in our industry, you could be a DJ that goes, you know, and says, okay, I'm done playing other people's music. I want to make my own. Yeah. And then nowadays it's more so, okay, start the production first. Then you're learning how to DJ on the back end or X, Y, and Z because uh -huh. production just takes so much longer to hone that skill, yeah. to develop the craft, to actually make the music that you want to make. And then you have to start developing your quote unquote sound. Yeah, and you were true. able to ride the wave off of Want It into at least solidifying yourselves on top tier labels yeah, from it, right? Like, did, did you receive off like labels hitting you up? Oh, hey, hey, uh, hey. Tons of it. Yeah. But I think, uh, and like, not to dog on any of the labels, um, but <laughs> the thing that I get the most that is probably the most annoying thing that I've gotten, or like, question i've always been asked uh, even in collabs is like people keep asking me if i could write something like want it or do another one uh, or another one i'm like 
No, I no. don't think I don't think so. I <laughs> I don't think I'll ever write something like that again. To and be honest, it's crazy because just like you said, you hated the track and yeah. you weren't a fan of it. I wasn't. And yeah, if it I wasn't, wasn't it was... for your roommate being like, yeah. "Hey, put that shit out. Just see how people are going to receive it." You might have never put it out. You may have it's never true. submitted it. Yeah. Well, I've. Yeah, that was one song that I've actually grown to like over over time. You As know? you should. Yeah. I mean, it's it's done a lot for me. And um, I don't know. Uh, like, I'm sure, you know, like, after you write something, like, and you just, you're so over it and you hear it, it just, like, makes you cringe sometimes. Well, when your ears your old are stuff. like, I've heard the same thing. Not only do your ears get tired as a producer working yeah. in the doll, you know, it's going to sound different. When you wake up in the morning and you listen to <laughs> yeah. a distorted yeah. Reese, then when you listen to it at 9 p.m. at night and you're listening yeah. to the same fucking Reese, I'm, I've done remixes before that with those, I'm always super picky because you're submitting it. The original artist is listening to it. It's all mm-hmm. of that stuff. And I will just fucking hate it. The mix down, the highs are too high. The mids are too high. X, Y, and Z. And then I go listen to it six months later and my head just goes, why did you ever hate this? Yeah, like yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. Like this isn't yeah. even an issue right now. Yeah. Um, so, and it's just a it's a mind fuck for sure. That's true. Yeah, I think it's important to take your time with art. Like to be able to like make the right decisions when it comes to music production, you have to put yourself in in like like a different set of shoes or like a different perspective. Um, and that's really hard to do, you know. Um, yeah, I mean like as a producer, like you're, you're definitely a own worst critic. If you care about what you do. Yes. Um, I think the best people are, you're always going to think you're not doing enough. You're yeah. always going to think it's not good enough. Yeah. Well, that's just a sign that you're growing or you're, you're, you're actively learning. I mean, there, I mean, there's, there's the other end of it though, is that if you're too critical of yourself, you're never going to put anything out, which is my problem for the longest time. Yeah. But, but you still have a crazy, output now of music i would say i mean you're you're releasing what like every one to two months i'm trying i'm trying to do uh every month yep at least once a month i'm sitting on a ton of tunes and i'm working on an ep right now um but um yeah i'm trying to keep up with the tempo and it's honestly i think any more than once a month i think you're just like overdoing it yeah. yeah, you're over. I mean, it's just not healthy for you either. Even once a month is like, that's it's, still it's hard. I'm yeah. considering to properly release a song, whether it's on a label in which you could be waiting now upwards to a year to release. Yeah. Or you're doing it on your own and you're getting a distribution company or you're using DistroKid. You still have to do a release plan, submit it, you know, at least six weeks, four to six weeks in advance, yep. get the cover art, do do the blogs, do the support, do mm-hmm. all of that stuff. It's it's so much more than just, hey. Just dropping it. Yeah, than just dropping it and just being like, I wish it was like that because I feel like in the SoundCloud area, era, it yeah. was a lot easier to do something just and just be something. like, fuck it, I'm putting it up. Let's just ride it. Let's see it go. I, I think yeah. about Luke Lush. I think about the guys who make these huge reboots and bootlegs that just completely propelled their career. And it just unfortunately it's really hard to have like, I would say that one hit wonder, which you definitely like fell into that category of a single that completely put you on the board. Yeah. But then you have to follow up. It's not going to just make your career. So when I put that, (laughs) when I put that song out, that was like probably the worst part of it was people were asking me for music and I did not have enough music for everyone. And the, added pressure of trying to one up oh my God. that song it like is absolutely nuts especially when it, everybody's constantly asking you for that mm-hmm. so that could be a, a yeah that it was it was definitely tough for a while because it made me feel like i didn't know what i was like writing yep you know um, well there's so much pressure and and, yeah. and also when you see it happening and you think to yourself okay it's happening it's happening it's happening whether you're in COVID or not, that little pressure of it being like, here's my window of opportunity for me to make like my passion a career. Mm -hmm. It can sometimes stunt your 
creative, inspirational flow. I think it it definitely did for a while. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't like at one point, I think during the pandemic, especially with everything going on, Mm -hmm. like the political atmosphere. um, So stressful. Dude, yeah, like, I just like, like what how am I doing? can I post my SoundCloud link when the world's blowing up? You exactly. Know? Like, Seriously. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like what just trying to like like posting about like a release just felt so wrong. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. And I don't know yeah. what it was. Even the other day when the Rovers Wade stuff was happening, I think it was like more Kismet's album release date, somebody else's album release date. Yeah. And I'm just like holy shit this is going on and this is fucking terrible but i also feel so bad for my friends that just worked like three album three years on this album and now it's it it feels wrong for them to be pushing it and it's like it's almost like a gamble even choosing a release date with where we're at right now because you just don't know what's going to happen you don't know when we're going to wake up and see x y and z all over social media and then you have to be the person who sits in the middle of hey, I have to make the right decision for my career, but also the right decision personally. And it's sometimes just a contradictory, like, jumble fuck of of pushing (laughs) your project. And especially, like, I think of, like, you, I think of Reaper, I think of Justin Hawks, I think of Bensley, like, all these people who are now in the States, whether, you know, they were from the States originally or they've come over from overseas. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a fight you all are pursuing to push this sound forward. Oh man. It's yeah. It can be an uphill battle sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was like DJing in the local scene up in Seattle and I've definitely cleared dance floors with drum bass before. And it sucks, but I mean, we're kind of in it for the long haul. I mean, I'm doing it like I've, like the way I like to think about my project in general is like, I don't want to be the best drum and bass producer or like the number one. I just want to be a part of like the history books that says, Hey, he helped kick in the door. Yeah. You know that I am like completely happy with that. And like a big part of it was like a frustration that there weren't any like massives here for like drum and bass. And I just honestly feel like people are just missing out on some really, really great stuff that they're doing over in Europe and not here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what was a prime motivator. And I think we all share that sentiment. Um, and like what's cool about like, like the very few, there are very few touring American drum and bass artists yes. or that North American. Drum yeah. And bass. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, We all feel like we're like a part of a team rather than like, you know, competition, which is a really, really good thing. And that's an advantage I think we have over like a lot of other people. I was just about to say that does not happen in other subgenres. No, it doesn't. You're looking at tech house, you're looking at dubstep. It is from like an agent professional perspective, a like dick measuring competition. (laughs) And it's like, how many, what's your tour history? What are your streams? What is this? What is that? But you all are kind of working as a team to push yeah. forward the greater movement of drum and bass in states. I mean, me and Reaper are in two different agencies. I know, which is amazing because yeah. you don't see two major agencies usually work together. Yeah, like uh, we have so many back-to-backs coming up this this which summer. Is- we did a tour together, like, and it's been working absolutely great. So, And from my understanding, that tour that you and Reaper did was like, small cap rooms just drum and bass yeah which yeah. is so sick I'm, I'm just happy we sold tickets yeah like, I but was, you did sell yeah. like tons of tickets yeah I, I was so surprised like n- not to dog on ourselves but like you know coming from this scene we're usually the underdogs or like you know we just not used to this kind of attention yeah and I don't know something's brewing up whether you hate it or you love it you're still talking about it and that's all that matters right now. It's the Kanye West. It's, yeah. It's even even yeah. if you're talking shit yeah. about him, you're still talking about him. And, yeah, exactly. And it definitely, it just brings it into, into conversation. And LA has always pushed it. I would say like yeah, general hubs for electronic dance music, especially people like pushing the underground. Like Miami's always had, always has had moments where they've had that underground jungle, more so jungle than drum and bass, but that right. jungle vibe, which translates into drum and bass. I look at Chicago, some, some of Denver, but nothing like crazy, not enough to put together a whole 
40 date tour and say we're touring the States. Yeah. We're going to confidently do this. And now the night that you played Red Rocks, Brownies and Lemonade did a whole takeover with Netsky uh-huh. in, in LA. And it's yep. like to think about one of the biggest venues in the United States, having a almost complete besides Ed's dead drum and bass night. And then not even three hour plane right away. You've got another probably three to five K venue yeah. that's got complete drum and bass. I mean, you can't ask for much more than yeah. that in terms of growth. And Fury is throwing some crazy shows here now. Where is that? Is that here? Yeah. Here? Yeah, oh, he no had uh, I unfortunately couldn't go, but he had Culture Shock come oh, through here. Fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, man. He's doing some great stuff over here now, too, which is awesome. And um, I feel like that's what it's going to take is, like, people from overseas coming here and also, like, curating, like, event curators actually knowing how to do it properly. That's that's a big one, doing it properly, for sure. Like. uh I, there's a lot of promoters around the country. I see like booking like um, like a drum and bass headliner, mm-hmm. but then to support acts or like rhythm or like some some other shit that just doesn't fit. I the don't bill. consider it like I, it is bass music. I, I guess I should ask you the question: Is where do you feel like it fits? Because I don't think drum and it bass should be fit mm-hmm. in the same circle of Venn diagram of so, dubstep. You know, no, it's because there. It's, I see drum and bass as like a, I mean, like for the longest time, drum and bass was separate than yes. EDM. It was not the same thing. They didn't consider themselves the same thing. Um, and it's got so many, there's like a little something for everyone in it. I like love there's liquid. liquid. Like liquid's my shit. Yeah, liquid I'm starting to write a lot of liquid. Really? Now. Oh, yeah, that's I, so exciting. Yeah. I was going to ask you like, because there's so many just <laughs> yeah. like, there's subgenres of dubstep, there's subgenres of drum yeah, and bass. Yeah, you know? there's rollers, you got your steppers, you know, you jump got up. jump up, yeah. Crazy. Neuro, like you got like the more techie side of drum and bass. And the cool thing, like the way I think about it is this. Um, there's a lot of people in like the in like the house music scene. Like, not all of them like drum and bass, but there's like a little bit of them. And then some in in the bass head scene that like it correlation though where it goes very easy for it to go from something i would say like tech housey or like bass housey like i used blossom as a good example because she just started releasing yeah she's awesome but she was bass house artist first you know yeah and there's that correlation there where i feel like a lot of the sound design can be easily taken and punched in put in some neuro put in some x y and z change that drum beat like like baseline for example uh, the the UK genre, as some people would call it, bass house here. But the grime UK, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very, very, very similar to Jump Up. Mm-hmm. Like same sound design, just yeah. different tempo. Um, yeah, I mean, but you also see that in the dubstep scene too. A lot of like the the OGs were drum and bass producers. The front case, like Doctor P. Yep. 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 Uh, um, but you. What I was saying was that, like, you see a little bit of them liking it, and you see a little bit of like the house scene liking it. Which all that tells me is that there's like a little piece of the pie that we can carve out for ourselves here. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I mean, it's going to take a lot. Like, it's not you can't. It's not just like the DJs, uh, but like also the yeah, the promoters, talent buyers, agents, and Takes the fans. An army. Yeah, yeah, it's to, every to really everybody it. has to, has to contribute to it. Otherwise, it's not going to work. You know, um, and I think what it was for the longest time is like generally if you like the drum and bass scene is generally an older crowd, like 30s, 40s. Yep. You know, it's like the retired raver crowd. Like that that was like what it was before I feel like it's translated into more of our demographic. Yeah. Yeah, And they have like careers, kids, you know, like it's hard for them to come out. Yeah. You know, Um, but now that demographic is changing. It's a lot younger kids now. So it's, I mean, it, it's going to take everyone to come out to these shows. Yes. Buy tickets and support the art, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's really cool too when you see people like who are incredibly talented producers like Blank, like start yeah. like a side project where he's taking his demographic, which is like dubstep, melodic bass, melodic music. Yeah. and turning them on to something that they may have never otherwise checked out. Yeah. And, and even though 
I think there's a huge stigma where I've seen traditional drum and bass producers kind of come at other producers for playing drum and bass in their set that they're not necessarily writing it. What are your thoughts oh, on the that? Oh, the DMB set Yeah, thing? yeah. What's your I, thoughts on that? <laughs> I don't think people need to necessarily put DMB set in there if they're doing it. Yeah. Just play it. Yeah, just know? play it. Like, uh, it's like almost as if like, oh, I'm going to play drum yeah. bass, <laughs> you know? Just you guys like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, just play it. Just play it. I mean, it's all bass music at the end of the day. Like, you don't go, you know, go see a band and they're playing like one one tempo the whole time. That's kind of, it gets stale, you know? That's how you kill something. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, like, one of my most favorite, I haven't been there yet, but I always watch live streams, but uh, Rampage out in Europe. Oh, that's the dream. It's like a great, yeah, it's that's a great it. mix of drum and bass and dubstep. It's like all just bass music. And that's something that I want to see happen here. Yep. Just like a good mix of the two. I think uh, Forbidden Kingdom Pepe has a, I know because I'm from Florida, Pepe has a very strong desire to really make that. Yeah. Uh, and he tried this this past year and he's going to keep pushing forward with the drum and bass. I feel like Insomniacs is doing a good job. Yeah, Project starting, Z. Yeah, starting um, to tie that in. Yeah, we had, we had a massive crowd at Project Z. I, I didn't realize until so I started watching the videos. Yeah. But it was it was awesome. Like. It's cool to see people starting to come uh, come out and do that because I remember <laughs> that I've never seen a that big, big of a crowd like show out to like a drum and bass stage wow. here in America. Ever. Really? Yeah, personally. Ever. That's yeah. Fire. And when they have like other options, you know, they're yeah, not like yeah. stuck there. Yeah. Like like Red exactly. Rocks, it's like, you know, you definitely have some drum and bass fans in there. I think a lot of people are still figuring out how yeah. to move to it and how to dance to it and all <laughs> yeah, of yeah, that yeah. stuff. And it's more of just an enjoyable thing. And I feel like that's, what's so cool about drum and bass is I feel like it is a performative art where you're really having to listen to it. It's, it's, it, it's not very passive. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a very, it's not like it takes, headbang on the kick and snare and we're good to go for yeah. five hours. You got to pull people out of that. Cause there's a point in time where Headbanging wasn't a thing in dubstep. Correct. Yeah. And <laughs> I think everything repeats itself in cycles uh-huh. and like everything's going to go up and down. And my whole thing is exactly what you just said, where if you're playing 150, your whole set, it's really hard to stay innovative, keep everybody really engaged and it not just go to that regular roundabout. I'm just going to headbang. I'm not really listening to the music. I'm not really X, Y, and Z, which happens a lot of times, I would say at festivals, at yeah. shows. Yeah. And, and drum and bass isn't like that. It's, it's definitely no. an inquisitive type of music. Yeah. I think uh, a big killer, especially in the early days, I would say like the first waves here, um, I mean, I wasn't, I was too young to experience it myself. Obviously I can't go out yeah, to yeah, clubs yeah. if I'm like seven years old. <laughs> yes, correct. But, um, but from what I understand from the history, it just got too, um, you know, I, I don't even know how to like explain it into words, but like people, people got way too like weird about it. Like okay, they were way too serious about it and it got really dark and they started pushing people out. They have the technical. walls up. It's yeah. like, if you don't do it my way, it's not being done correctly. And exactly. that's not the way it's going to grow here. It has no, to be able no way. Yeah. To, to transform, to mature. And long-term, as I feel as if drum and bass keeps growing at the rate it is, drum and bass in America may be a bit different than drum and bass in the UK. Oh, it most certainly probably will be. I mean, um, I was also like, uh, super heavy into the punk scene and okay. it was the same thing with that too yeah um, america american punk is a lot different than you super, know super super different yeah i'm like a huge fan of like code orange and like a lot mm-hmm. of the i would say upstate new york small room punk bands yeah. they're more like almost thrash metal than like punk punk but yeah. i look at like neck deep and people consider that punk they consider that pop pop punk you know Uh, and that's a very different description than than doing the underground punk music every time i die kind of two-step thing going on yeah you know i grew up on black flag dead kennedy's okay yeah black Black flag is the war four days for sure Uh for sure (laughs) a hundred percent i mean and you even look at that 
just looking at EDM in general, when I grew up, it was, and it's, it's not even like not, I'm that old, but like when I was like 13, 14, I was at Warped Tour every summer, you know, like yeah. I was a big metal head. I was into the mosh pits, into the rocking mm-hmm. shit. When like Bring the Horizon was doing just like pure screamo, uh, yep. you know. Yep, I and remember those days. Now Warped Tour isn't around. And yeah. now it's, you know, I meet tons of people who were metalheads before they got into dubstep and drum and bass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it pulls from those things where, I feel like drum and bass, not only is it, I think, way more listenable if you're driving in the kitchen at home than dubstep. When you see drum and bass live, it's a completely different experience because the crowd can really propel that like unity of you guys listening. to. Well, see, here's the thing. I've been thinking about this a lot recently, but I mean, part of what makes like a really, really dope, like, drum and bass set, especially if you're talking about neuro, is, like, the pyro, the lasers, and all that stuff combined with the music can make for a really fucking insane experience, except for we're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. You gotta get that, that <laughs> second to, to headline slot where you get all the, the pyro and yeah. you get all of the fog and you get all the lasers. Well, I, at Okeechobee, I played at that, the the, I can't remember what the stage is called. Was it the, the stage in the forest? In Cin- no, in Cindy. Oh, in the fire Yeah, stage. with the fire yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that set was one of the coolest sets I've ever played. That stage with, is so crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. So I was actually scared to go up there because, like, I was standing behind it. Yeah. And they would fire, <laughs> they would shoot the, the giant, like, fireball. You're like, up oh, on. shit. <laughs> I could feel it. Like, and it was really hot. And I was like, man, I'm going to be standing right next to it. But then the second I got on stage, You're like, I didn't. Cool. Didn't even notice. But you yeah. see how much it adds. Because yeah. like, so walk me through how you build your sets. Like, are you touching on all these different subgenres, or are you trying to make it mostly your own music? How, how do you approach it? Um, I, I get in a bunch of different moods. Like throughout the tour, when I was on the Dirt Monkey tour, I was trying to play a little bit of everything. Um. Then I started getting a little more into jump up. So I started like doing mostly like jump up sets. Um, now it just depends on my mood. Yeah. Um, right now I'm like more into neuro. So I'll play up more of my like neuro stuff Got it. in my sets. Um, but now I'm entering my liquid phase. <laughs> liquid phase. Yeah. I like it all. I like it I all. Love liquid uh, yeah. But you can take, you can take a big L depending on the crowd by just fixing it up too much. Yeah. Because. I don't know if you're playing for like a bass head crowd and you're playing like more techie or like deeper stuff. Yeah. Nobody will like it, you know, cause they're like, I can't headbang to this. It doesn't even, you know? Yeah. But if you're throwing in like, I know dirty phonics isn't just like a D and B act, but they have like really great tracks where it's going from that dubstep into yeah. the D and B yeah. jump up and people go crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, but if I play jump up to a crowd that's like more, you know, into into like the deeper stuff, yeah, you'll take you'll take it out. And if you mix it up, it you know you'll get half and half every time. So it's, it's honestly a hard call. But I, I just go with my gut and I just like just play what I like to play. Yeah. And if you want to come along for the ride, fine. If not, I feel whatever. like that's the best thing because especially in drum and bass, you're really not going to be able to please everybody. No way. You know, there's no you way. Know, so. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to piss some people off. I got a funny uh, DM while I was playing at Incendia. Oh, man. Okay. I think it's my banner on Twitter. Somebody said, Could, would you mind slowing it down while I was playing? <laughs> would you mind, kind sir, slowing the tempo down? It's like 12,000 people in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, it is, it's, it's like, yeah. maybe i'll see it maybe i'll slow it down <laughs> like, and i'm like like oh my god yeah the audacity yeah. sometimes and I know. It, you know funny, you even though. go on twitter which is basically like a war zone for children oh my god and yeah. and you know you just see some people make comments and go off sometimes and my head just goes who are you? Yeah. What are you thinking? Like, why do you think this is going to make a change in any way, shape, or form? Yeah. And I can't imagine the DMs that, like, you, Reaper, even even legends oh like Natsuki, people on, get in big crowds. On TikTok, 
TikTok is the worst. Really? <laughs> so savage. Yeah, they no hate me. No way. There. Not well. Not well. I posted like a video from Red Rocks. <laughs> this oh, is this man. is honestly so. It made oh. me laugh. Uh, I posted a video from Red Rocks, and then these guys with like no offense to the Tech House crowd, but they had like Tech House in there. Of course. They're of like, course. oh, the crowd looks dead. The crowd looks dead. And then I posted a follow-up video from a different perspective. And I was like, it literally isn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not playing John Summit. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I mean, like, there's something different for everyone. I think yeah. it's really, really weird, in my opinion, that people get so up in arms about it. You know, well, it's like, how is this personally offending you? Like, right? you know, yeah. just let everybody do their own thing. And, but, but you know what? When Dubstep came here, the same shit happened. I wasn't around for it, but like, true, I know true. the same shit it happened. Did. And yeah. the UK thinks that we ruined Dubstep, which I totally understand, but it's just a different mutation of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. just a different maturity of the same sound. And I feel like in the next, I mean, I've had this discussion, I feel like, for three years, but I also know that this type of growth that needs to happen for it to be an actual staple in American electronic yeah. music is a slow, steady growth. It can't pop off because it's just going to disappear. It's pop and it's going to disappear. Yeah, we don't, it's, we don't want it to be like a trend or a fad that yeah. everyone's doing. Because, I mean, there's 30 years of culture behind it, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's not just a fad. You know, there's so many people who have worked so hard to like build and make this culture, you know, and that's one thing that uh, I try to keep in mind every time. Like, you know, I'm, I respect the guys that came before me and. Who would you say are like some of your tops, like top inspirations as far as historic drum and bass producers that you're like, okay, I'm doing this to like uh, carry on their sound, carry on X, Y, and Z. Oh, wow. Goldie, although I don't think he really fucks with the American drum and bass scene. I, I don't He's think it's like a lot this like UK thing. Yeah. But um, yeah. AMC, I mean, there's there's tons of people that support it too. Like, yeah. that, there's so many different camps that they all feel different types of ways about it. I mean, they feel there's like a really cool uh, documentary on drum and bass arena that really explains it. There's like, I mean, there's a camp that, like, you know, when it started to get poppy with, like, Sub Focus yep, and yep. Dimension and all those guys, like, they hate, there, there's a camp that hates that shit, and there's a camp that really loves it because it's, you're, you know, you're opening the door for, for people to explore the culture even more yes. or go even deeper. And by camp, it. do you just mean, like, little subsections? Like, little like just people, yeah, people, okay. like, who agree, like, have one view of it or another. Got it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I would say like AMC is a big one. Um, I, obviously, Noisia, Black Sun Empire has been doing. I mean, they've been they've been like ahead of the game for so long. So long. There's their music would stand up today that they wrote in the like early to mid two thousands. It's like nice. seeing like a movie that was made in like the eighties or nineties that like really fucking holds up. Yeah, like watching like Star Wars or some shit. Yeah, and you're exactly. like honestly. <laughs> This like kind of holds up with a lot of movies exactly. made nowadays, and it's exactly like that. And I feel like, especially when like I'm at a drum and bass set, and I hear like a classic thrown in, and it's not a remix, mm. it's not a bootleg, it's the original original. Yeah, you're like, damn, like this really puts into perspective how far it's come, but like still how similar it is. Like mm-hmm. it still keeps the roots of it and pushes it forward in like unique ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean. That, honestly, um, uh, I think a lot of modern sound design uh, in in bass music takes from takes from like yeah, like noisy. I mean, I have outer edges framed on my wall. Really? Oh yeah. man! I, I think a lot of producers will tell you, especially a lot of like halftime producers or like uh, yeah, in dubstep. Like, I mean, noisy has to probably be like. If one of their idols, it's like a producer's producer. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's basically what inspired me to like get into that kind of sound design, and a lot of other people too. Yeah, even though if, even if they don't write drum and bass, and which is I, awesome. I feel like 
you guys have an especially hard job because you know what exactly what you just said is like noise is like a producer's producer like you listen to it as a producer and you just die you're like how the fuck are they yeah, doing this like literally. oh my god like <laughs> da, da, da. and i feel like drum and bass is predominantly i would say out of everyone i talk to other producers like drum and bass the best via like regular consumers and i feel like the task at hand is how can i make this complex music appeal to a regular consumer that's used to listening to the yeah. same sound over and over again. honestly i think it's the answer to that after like just kind of like doing some soul searching is actually pretty simple just have fun with it and keep it fun and don't take it too seriously yeah. you take it the second you take it seriously especially when we live in the meme generation <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, it's not going to work out. Like, it's, it, no. And I, I mean, it's good music. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you'll write good music, but if you lack, if, if every session that you have is like a struggle or like, you know, like you're trying to like write like the masterpiece, you're just going to, you're going to end up hating it. Yes. Like, just I'm not necessarily the song, but like just the process. You know? It's impossible to do that with every song. It's impossible. And it's like some of my favorite songs I've written haven't popped off with like my listener base where it's like, it's been my fucking favorite song. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of my least favorite songs have popped off Same. and you're just like, <laughs> everybody interprets art and listens to art differently and uh-huh. everybody's going to have their own opinion. And that's why I think whether you're a DNB producer or a radio producer, a tech house producer, so much of it is just letting go of that overthinking and just being like, all right, I just need to put it out there and have people interpret it because if it doesn't even get yeah. out there, no one's going to fucking get it. Yeah. And it's easier said than done too. Like, um, getting, it's like a trap, like a mental trap that you have to get yourself out of. And a, a big thing that I've learned too, um, a lot of like the struggle to like, become an artist whether it it doesn't matter whether you're a musician like a producer or like like a visual artist or a dancer like the like it's a lot of it is mental um i think it's it's almost like harder than actually i would i would say it's harder than learning the technical aspects of it so much of it is mental it definitely takes you that you've been producing for 10 years right about around there it definitely takes you, I would say, a good three to five to get those like fundamentals really honed in, like yeah. to the point where they're just muscle memory. But the other end of that is additionally then being able to put yourself in a creative mind, spe- mind space and like then being able to not overthink, then being able yeah. to not compare. And, and that is the hardest part because you can self-sabotage yourself into never releasing again. Yeah, yeah. I remember the phases that I went through, like the beginning uh, of learning how to produce. I mean, like I, I came from like playing instruments, like guitar. I tried to start a band, but nobody I did would too. do anything. Yep. That's how I basically started like kind of producing. And I was just having fun with it. I had no idea what mixing and mastering was. I didn't know any of that shit. Yeah. And then uh, not a care in the world, but having the most fun with it. And then I start to like, I started taking it seriously. I'm like, started comparing my songs to other people. And I'm like, wait, why does this sound so much quieter? And the mix is so shitty. But I thought it sounded good until I listened to this song. And now I think it's horrible. And then I go on YouTube, start learning. And then the next phase is just the dread of like not being good enough. And then that's when the fun goes away. Yeah. But then you keep pushing yourself to learn all the technical aspects of it. And then you forget how to write music because you're like, so you're, you try to like do And if the music isn't there, if the melody's not there, if the vocals aren't there, there's nothing for a regular listener to attach themselves to. And then you just have like three spaces going crazy that sound phenomenal and there's nothing else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no, yeah. But then you have to relearn. I, I think after you learn, like you learn like a skill set. So many phases. Yeah. So many I had phases. to like relearn how, how to be creative or how to inject my creativity while also kind of, you know, 
color in between the lines so like technically you know make sure i i like my mix sound is proper and like over time you start to develop techniques or your it ways of doing things there's, yeah. there's really and and that's where when i speak to whether it's students somebody i meet at a show wants to produce whatever it's just like start you just have to start because if you want to do yeah. this solely to the point where you can either start working with producers that you want to collaborate with or x y and z it's a long journey that only time is going to get you there like the hours yeah. and the dog you gotta that, yep. you know you have to put the hours in you and have repetition to learn. you have to repeat and even now like at your level you're still learning you're still you never learning. stop yeah there's so many million there's there's so many ways to do one thing um i've come to learn that uh which is why partially you do have to kind of rely on your gut you know yeah because um, if you if you try to like think it out like you know logically i mean it's just gonna like you know you make you want to rip your hair out yes you know? and i like, feel like there's definitely a correlation but a separation between muscle memory and being like okay i know this sample isn't in the bpm that i'm writing in so just because of what I've seen, I need to put this in complex pro. So the transients are there. Yeah. But then in your mind, you go, wait, so why am I doing this? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is there other ways to do this? Okay. There's 20 other ways to do this. And yeah. you just have to do it sometimes. And then yeah. you, exactly like you just have to trust your gut. Yeah. And, and I think the best, I use more kismet as a great example, the best, you know, unique sounds come from a lot of the times you're breaking the rules or you're not knowing mm -hmm. what the rules are or just doing what you want it to sound like. Yeah. Yeah. No, you totally. Know? Totally. Um, I mean, learning, learning like how to do proper mix downs and learning the technical side of things certainly do help a lot. Um, it kind of takes the fun out of it, though. but it does take the fun out of it. Yes. Um, but once you get like for me, yeah, when I got past that phase, I learned how to like have fun with it again. Mm -hmm. And like trying to, you know, um, yeah, trying to have fun with it again. And once you get there, like it just, you know, you incorporate it into your workflow and, and you just don't even think about it. You know, you don't even like think about when it. I it, when I EQ stuff, I don't think about it. I just do it. Like, and that's what you yeah. want to get to because. Yeah. I, I think I tell so many people, it's like, you don't want to lose. You want to be prepared when you're in a creative mindset to get into your dot and just write. And like, that's why I feel like having a template, like having some of these EQs maybe already there will uh -huh. help you take out some of that muddiness, frequencies, things that could get in your way. Because the last thing you want to do in a creative session is be like, oh my God, this isn't EQ'd the right way. And oh, this yeah, needs to because be shifted this way. The way I think about it is like when, when you're inspired to write a song, a lot of it, it, it's like similar to like catching a wave when you're surfing. Mm -hmm. um, once you catch the wave, you got to ride it. You got to ride it. You got to ride it. And like sitting there and like thinking about what kind, yeah, what kind of compressor you're going to use or, or any of that, like any of the technical stuff can kill that creativity. Um, so the way I write is like, I like to get the ideas out as quick as possible. And like okay. a lot of my good, my best music I've written in a day. I hear know? that a lot. I, yeah. hear, I try and do that. I'm not great at it. I'm great at like writing a melody that I'll base a whole song off of in yeah. a day, but like you red drum blank, like a day, like we sit down. But not always. But, uh, yeah. I, yeah. There's songs that have taken me like months to year. The I just finished a song yesterday um, that took me almost a year to write. But I end up always it, it feels like it feels well, so you dreadful. build it up. It's like I've you know verse. Hey, I spent 24 hours on this. We'll go back and refine it. But the structure is pretty much done. The yeah. flow's there. Yeah, and then I can you know do my mid side, start the mix down process, start all of that stuff. Right, but when you work on something and you know, part of it is so good and you're like, I have to make this song live up to this element in the song or X, Y, and Z. Uh -huh. And then the amount of time put behind it, it's, well, this needs to be so much more better than this piece of mm -hmm. art because of the time and, and 
money and X, Y, and Z <laughs> I've invested into it. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like, especially in our industry, time is money because it's like you use so much time working on music and then you have to tour and play shows and like all of this stuff accumulates together to keep the cycle yeah. going around and around and uh-huh. around. Uh-huh. Um, I find it, I don't know about you, but I find it really hard to write right after I get back from like playing a show nowadays. See, I'm opposite. Really? I'll, I'll play a show and I'll be so tired. I was texting you that morning in uh, Fresno because uh, I was at the airport. You were yeah. at the airport, I think, coming home from Project Z or you were going to Project Z. And I was like, yo, oh, yeah, you were coming yeah. home because that was the day you played at Red Rocks. Oh, and yeah, I yeah. said, okay, yeah. hey, I'll see you later. Da, da, da. I'm at the Fresno. I haven't right. slept. And I'll get on the plane and I'll just write and I'll be like super You can inspired. write on the plane? Oh, man. But then, but then I'll have weeks at home where if I'm not touring or if I'm not playing shows, my mind's just kind of, it, it doesn't like, wander but it's harder for me to sit down in a concise session and say we're knocking this out we're finished i believe that producers who are able to work on tour buses and plans have a superpower (laughs) superpower. yeah i (laughs) i can't i can't at all i get really picky about my environment yeah like my room has to be well i try to like my studio keep it clean um and i have to like you know, I have like a ritual that I do. I need nobody to talk to me. That's you amazing. know, like <laughs> phones gotta go away. I try and turn off my internet yeah. when I can because then I'm, I'm not getting shit popping up. I work at night because nobody will text me at night. And okay. I feel like the solitude that I need yep. to like be able to write. So I generally try to work at night. Because if I work like that, I if I wake up and start producing, I'll only do that if I'm like like, you know, like you already, really got something. Like yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I like the evening, like as soon as the sun sets, I'm like, I start working. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what, every time I like try to produce during the day, I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta post this or like, there's so that, many things you know? going on in your mind because yeah, we just, unfortunately can't just shut off the world and make music no. or it's not going to happen, no, yeah, you yeah. know? And, and the goal is to obviously maybe one day have somebody to help with that on a larger level. That would be but, sick. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's the other side of it is, you know, none of us are doing any of this without having fans or having a following or having people that yeah. come up with your music. So it, it is so much of a part of the job. That's so important to be able to keep doing music yeah. and releasing it and touring and, and that's why I take the night shift. Yeah. Like, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how long will you produce you? <laughs> Never ending. My, my sleep schedule is screwed. Like yeah. I, I can stay up <laughs> till like four or five in the morning. The sun will come up and I'd feel really weird, you know, like just, completely sober yep, 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 yep. <laughs> still feel like yeah, I, you're like, uh, like still feel like a degenerate yeah but i'm like wait but i was being productive yes yeah but it's still no you still feel like a piece well, of shit not, <laughs> i know right well it's just not a societal norm yeah and, yeah and that's i what think it that's is, why yeah. i've gone back so many times i've been doing this for like four years and um i would say taking it seriously for about four years and and I've gone through phases like before I lived with my boyfriend where I was just literally degenerate. Just stay up all <laughs> yeah. night, sleep all day, wake yeah. up at 5 p.m., start it again. And then I was like, I want to be a contributing member to society. <laughs> and like my parents probably want to see me considering I live in the same state. And I yeah. tried to like switch it around, do like, okay, I'm going to go to the office like a normal person. But then you have your phone blown up and you have emails you want to deal with and you have mm-hmm. this and you have that. And, and it's, it's hard. And, and I still go back and forth because yeah. I'll get all, I feel like most of it is I'll get something really great. And then I want to work on it until I get it to a point where I know I need to walk away and then come back and see mm-hmm. how it's sounding where if it's just like a daily schedule and I've got, you know, five projects I'm working on, I'm going to do a little bit here. I'm going to do a little bit there. It's so not routine for me. It's yeah. like, okay, you got all your shit done. All right, now let's do this. And I'm still figuring. It I've out. I've tried so many times to like keep a schedule. It, I can't. I can't. I literally, I literally can't. can't. Yeah, because yeah. then you tour too. You you know you'll have yeah. you'll have two weeks off, 
you kind of get in a normal thing. And then all of a sudden you have two shows in a row or you have one show and then a day off and then another show and your whole schedule's fucked again. Mm-hmm. I mean, after that 4th of July weekend, because you did Project Z, I had the show in Fresno, came back and then you had like Red Rocks and then you had the 4th of July. That Tuesday, I was like, I'm out of commission. I'm fucking dead. Bye. Yeah. I was yeah. out of commission for that whole week. Yeah. <laughs> I was done. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. I remember I was, texting you. I was you're like, Very. I need like a little bit of time to breathe. So I was like, <laughs> I totally understand that. Yeah, just stay in bed and pretend nobody exists for a little yep. bit. Um, yeah. Oh, 100 yeah. percent And and it's it's wild. I mean, as far as your production process goes, you're in Ableton, right? Yeah. And then what are some of your favorite BSTs for for sound design? Right now it's Rift for um one of the best distortion plugins. Got it. Ever. Okay. Um, let's see. I started using shaper box a lot for side chaining. Nice. Volume ducking. Yeah. Um, I used LFO tool for a really long time. And then I went back to like a, a live eight compressor ghost chain kind of go uh, switch it, switch back and forth. Yeah. I, for, I do that for some things like, like for percussion or like for pads or something. I'll, I'll use uh, side chain compression. Yep. But as far as like my bit, like, like the low end heavy things, I'll, I'll Total use duck. volume ducking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just don't even want to deal with, <laughs> you know, that line. I'd just rather just cut it out completely and let yeah. that kick come through. I mean, I um, know some people who do like still like to stay the volume automation. Oh, shit. Just like, cut yeah. Like, if you want to do that shit, all the power to <laughs> they you. They make stuff for that. But they make stuff for that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it just goes back yeah. to like, there's a thousand ways to do one to do thing. one thing. Yeah. Yeah. To literally do, to do one thing. Yeah. So those are some of your favorites. A couple. Yeah. When you start writing, is it just kind of like a crapshoot? It's something different every time. Or do you have a method where you're starting with the melody? You're starting um, with the vocals. I always know what key I want to write in when I start. Okay. I, I just pick a key. Yeah. Any key. And then just. Go for it. Go for it. Um, well, when I'm writing my EP, I just make sure it's like, you know, harmonic. Like, I'll yeah. write D minor, C or D minor, G minor, you know, just kind of make it flow. Yeah. So I can, like, when I do play, you do it all like, in one project? No. Okay. I don't. I don't. Um, but I do, I do, I'll make it like a mini mixtape, nice. you know, okay. and just like kind of like listen flow. to it flow and like flow together, just, just like testing ideas out and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'll pick a I'll pick a key. Um, I'll start with like a sample or two that I like, just to get inspired. Yeah. And then I'll go from there. Like I'll work like I'll write I'll write like a six or eight to sixteen bar loop. Yep. And then just work vertically. Uh, make mix it. Uh, like right there. Okay. Uh, and then I'll start working horizontally. Start working on the structure. Um, Do you normally start on the Drop or depends because when I write linear in a linear fashion, I I always end up writing a super long intro. Yeah. Or I won't I won't know where to take it. Yeah. You know? Um the way I like to write is like, especially if it's like, you know, like supposed to be like a banger or you know, you know what I mean? I'll start with the I'll start with the drop, write the B section, and then from the B section I'll write an outro. And that's how, how I get idea of what I want to do in the intro. Got it. So I'll write this way and then back. Well, so much of it is, I mean, I remember when I started producing, like my first drop and my second drop was on like completely different tunes, like yeah. completely different. I used and to you kind of had that in one, yeah. a little bit. You kind of had that first yeah. drop and then the second drop, you still had the same sounds, but it was a different groove. Yeah. I would like completely have obviously the same key, but I'm just like, okay, I want to do something like interesting and different. And then I would try and write the intro and the interlude and the outro and i'm like holy fuck i have way too many things to pull from there's uh-huh. way too many things going on so yeah. i feel like if you start with that b section you start with the outro it's like putting together a puzzle piece yeah forward. Mm-hmm. yeah um you gotta be okay too with like deleting shit yes that's yes. you gotta be able to let go of stuff less uh, is definitely more too i feel yeah yeah nowadays. i think a lot of people a lot of people definitely overthink it and have way too many things going on. Um, it's just, I you just got to pick one element, be your main element, everything else supporting it. 
Yes, you know? that exactly. Mm-hmm. You have that motif, mm-hmm. that main focal point, yep. that main melody, and then you got to build around it with subtle details to like. Yeah, and that's it. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, like a lot of people that I used to teach, I'm like, you have like three song ideas in one song. Yep. Like I was like, delete this or make it another song. And make it another and song. Like, I'll, like, I'll literally listen to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I I've had it told to me, and then I listen to student songs. And I'm like, hey, you've got an EP in this one song. Let's take this sound, make a new beat. Mm-hmm. Take this sound, change the key. Take the sound X Y Z. And do you do sound design sessions in your project? No. Okay, separately. Yeah. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll do it, but that'll kill your creativity. That's the quickest way to kill your creativity, I think. Yeah. You're like, um, I got to create this one Reese that sounds exactly like yeah. this. Yeah. I'll, I'll have like a whole bank, like bank of sounds that I've made. I have sound design projects. Well, I'll just make like a little like beat and then just like work on something. Yeah. Just get inspired from there. And sometimes the song will come out of it but yes. i'll try not to do sound design in the same project because i like the goal here is to work as quick as possible yep yeah so, oh it definitely yeah. especially in the industry the subgenre that we are in here's what i found it's it's oh. definitely <laughs> here's what i found um <laughs> it's definitely uh on how quick and how quality can you work yes yeah. it's, it's it sucks sometimes because you watch yeah. like artists and other genres take like years to make an album but for us, yeah. it's like if you want to build, especially yeah. at an upcoming standpoint, you got to keep kicking them out. I, I don't even do it because it, it, that just happens to be convenient. I do it more so because I'll get tired of something really fast. Yep. You know, and then you're like, I don't want to release this. I just want to start something. New. Yeah, like, yeah I'm over it. Better. Yeah. Yep. That's the hard thing with like the 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 way how long it takes to release on labels now because by the time it comes out i really just don't care yeah you're so like, like all right it's out promote. sweet cool yeah here you go yeah it's hard to promote the hype's gone like, it's a year yeah. old it's three years old exactly you know? you're like all right but yeah it's, it's definitely it's definitely a give and take mm-hmm. you know um sure. okay so before i let you go uh-huh. i need three pieces of advice for aspiring drum and bass producers in the u.s three drum pieces. and bass specifically specific specific how to get out there how to send your tracks out how to approach getting drum and bass music on traditional american edm labels my number one is i know a lot of people are afraid to touch drum and bass don't be afraid to do it there's a lot of shitty european producers too don't worry (laughs) like just just go into it like i'm like, yeah, a lot of people are afraid to touch the genre. Just do it and have fun with it. And just, you know, that that that's the best way to get good at it. Just make a lot of shitty songs until you make a good one. Yep. Um, that's that's how everybody goes through it. Um, number two is don't try to send to the biggest labels right away. The way I did it was I worked with a ton of like small to mid-sized labels that that helped me out a lot. And You'll be surprised how much work they put in for you. Like, seriously, Jody Dalla put in so much work for me. Um, more than a lot, a lot of big labels that I've worked with. So don't sleep on them. Submit to smaller labels. Submit to mid-sized labels. Um, let's see, a third piece of advice. Hmm... Can I give one for producers in general? Absolutely. It's okay to not finish songs. There we go. <laughs> not everyone has to see the light of day. No. And, and Probably what, better I, things. what I do, I mean, save it. But what I like to do is I'll organize all of my projects, finish or not by key. And then if I have an idea that I'm trying to write, when I'm trying to write quickly, I'll pull stuff out of the song in the same key and just try it out in a different song. And who knows, you might make something new. You know, no, and, that's and perfect. Use it. It's yeah, yeah, that's why you never want to throw anything away. No. Put it on your hard drive. Yeah. Even if you don't want to see a hoarder. it. Yeah. It's there. And then last thing, how did you come up with your project name? How did you come oh. up with the name Camarion? Um, so growing up, uh, so my name is Omar. Um, a lot of people it actually stems from racism a little bit. Uh, oh wow, okay. Yeah. Because people call me Kumar, like Harold and no Kumar. Way. Yeah, and they thought it was funny. Holy so shit. that was my nickname. And oh then, oh my god! Yeah, 
and people would call me Omarion. So I was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna own it. Kumarion. I'm here now. Legend is born. The legend is born. Holy shit. That would be a good little clip. Like, hey guys, you want to shout out elementary school? Yeah, literally. Fucking crazy. Well, I know you have tons of fucking tour dates for this fall coming up. Uh huh. You're going to be killing it. Lots of back to backs with Reaper. Yep. I'm Next super time. Excited yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like two of, I would say, the biggest up and coming pushing the sound together, which is yeah. so exciting. Which yeah. Is- it's, I, I'm sure it's always got to be fun sharing <laughs> it with someone else who, like, actually is just focused on drum and bass. Yep. And you it's know? all raw, too. We don't plan shit. Really? Yeah, we didn't plan anything for Project Z. Props to you guys. <laughs> oh, fuck no. Every time we fuck try, no. we just end up, like, just saying, oh, what song do you want to start with? And then we just, like, go from there on stage. Well, that's, like, <laughs> that's as natural as it can get. Yeah. That's so exciting. Well, Omar, thank you so much yeah. for coming on. Thank I really you so appreciate, much. It. appreciate it. Next time you see... Come on in your city. Make sure you snag tickets. Go and check them out. Let's do it. Bye, guys.